What's up, Mod Club? It's Keaton Cash, back for another episode of Mod Love, and we are going to get fucking personal as all fucking motherfucking hell on this episode, so get ready. If you're watching on YouTube, welcome to my living room. It is fucking nighttime. This is my first time recording at night, so we got a little mood lighting up in this bitch, and I'm sipping on some fucking scotch. I've got a hot hookup appointment coming over in two and a half hours. So let's make sure this doesn't go too long. But we're going to talk about something really fucking important. We're going to talk about breakups and bottom surgery. And if you've been around in the bottom surgery community for a hot minute, you're going to know that breaking up during bottom surgery is really fucking common, unfortunately. And, you know, this can be for a million different reasons. So we're not going to get into that. But we're going to talk about my experience with it. And we know that in general, this is a hot button topic. You know, partners can feel all kinds of ways about us changing our bodies. Uh, at the end of the day, obviously, it's really critical that we change our bodies first and foremost for ourselves, not for our partners. And I'm going to try to talk about that a little later in the episode. I also have a bottom surgery survey on the website at clubftm.com and those results update in real time as people take the survey so you also don't have to take the survey to see the results so it's super cool i encourage you if you've had any level of bottom surgery go on there and take it now when you look at those results you're going to see that about 25 or so percent of guys who've taken the survey have broken up in their relationship right around bottom surgery time or because of bottom surgery. And I go into that in a fair amount of length, probably more length than any other survey does about relationships and bottom surgery to extract from, from people like, you know, kind of what's going on there. So we get some insight there too, which helps guide the way on how important this is as a topic. And maybe you're just a partner of a trans guy, trans mask, non-binary, you know, wanting some guidance too. Now, it's really tempting and kind of easy for me to make this episode about, you know, just my relationship in general. So I'm going to try really hard to keep this on the topic of how the topic of bottom surgery evolved throughout my relationship. And maybe I'll make another episode another time more about the relationship in general. I mean, honestly, there's a whole bunch of topics I could explore within this relationship or even from other relationships I've had. So, you know, this is the first personal update episode I've made. So please leave a comment. Let me know how you like it. Let me know if you want more of this. If you're listening on Spotify or something, you know, there is a feature where you can leave a message or, you know, drop us an email at questions.modlove at gmail.com. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like the video and leave a comment. Say anything, you know, just say, hey, I dug it please, please make more of these videos or, you know, say whatever the fuck you want to say, just to let me know if I should keep making these. Let me know if you want to hear more like personal relationship stories, right? Because I've, I've, you know, I've grown so much from my relationships and I've learned very different things from each relationship and from the process of dating, right? As a trans guy. So, uh, you know, I've, been fully passing for you know around 15 years now so i've got a lot of experience in this realm so this relationship that just ended uh i broke up with my fiance one week approximately from getting home from stage one phalloplasty i had stage one phalloplasty in late march of 2022 with dr chen and the bunky team i got home you have to stay in san francisco for about six weeks so i got home in i don't know april very end of april something like that yeah i don't know the date but you know i know that i was only home for about a week when i ended the relationship and you might be thinking holy fuck who the fuck would do that why would you do that to yourself it must have been really fucking bad and i'll say it was really 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 fucking bad for me to end the relationship a week after getting home from stage one and Again, it's tricky to talk about this without getting into like, why was it so bad and how did you get there? But I want to stay focused. I also want to give a quick disclaimer, hang in there with me. I want to talk about why I'm posting the personal update and why I'm going to like be open to talking about my relationship and what that means and, and sort of what I'm looking for here and all that sort of good thing too. So what I'm not looking for is I'm not looking for sympathy. 
I'm not looking for comments that say things like, oh, you know, that kind of talk about like, you know, your opinion on her and, you know, derogatory comments, right? I'm not looking for derogatory comments of like, oh, she sounds like a bitch or, you know, I think my audience is like emotionally mature enough not to say those kinds of things. But I just want to be clear that I'm not open to talking about my relationships because I just want to sit on a podcast and bellyache and make people out to sound like monsters and make myself out to sound like a hero, okay? That's not what I'm out to do. I'm out to be fair. I'm out to be honest and accurate, but at the same time, it's my fucking podcast and I'm allowed to talk about my personal experiences, right? They're mine. I lived it. This is my life. I'm allowed to talk about my fucking life and it might piss off my exes and that's just too fucking bad. So, uh, I'm not here. This is not about revenge. This is not about make this is not about pissing them off that is just might be an unfortunate byproduct of this if they're listening if they're listening i find that to be their own fault and they should not be listening okay um but i can't control what they do and what they don't do so like i said we know that guys break up a lot during bottom surgery so i want there to be more nuanced stories for them to listen to for their partners to listen to for them to feel a sense of solidarity also I want this to be a learning opportunity for how things can change in a partner's perspective and in your experience with a partner as you go through surgery in a relationship because that was a real eye-opener for me. And then, yeah, you know, I just want to talk about like, hey, personal update. I want to give you guys an opportunity to get to know me a little bit better, more personally on a deeper level and see if you guys like that, see if that resonates. And also like... Mod Love was started to be a podcast about life, love, and dating, so I've opened it up quite a bit to be about surgery because Mod Club at clubftm.com is a lot about surgery, but at the end of the day, like when one of the fucking hosts, you know, breaks up with their fiance on their podcaster on a podcast about life, love, and dating, I think we should fucking talk about the fucking relationship that just broke up, right? It seems appropriate. So, um... Thanks for hanging in there. I know that we, I know that I haven't been posting very regularly and all that sort of thing, but I want you to know that it's going to be a priority for me to post more regularly moving forward. Will I actually do it? I don't know, but I'm going to try really fucking hard. Okay. This is a side hustle, but I'm going to try. Okay. Time for scotch. Oh yeah. Okay. Now for the next two minutes, I'm going to give you the briefest timeline of the relationship so that you can just understand how to kind of couch this in your brains, right? You need some kind of like context of like how serious of a relationship is this and blah, blah, blah. Why does this matter so much? Okay, two minutes, let's go. 15-ish years ago, I moved to Canada. I meet her right away with her partner. I have like immediate attraction and chemistry in a way that is extremely rare for me. So it's big. It's like lightning crash, boom. Like I could tell, you know, something was like, like something was in my future with this person, you know, was it love at first sight? No, but it was like, it was a big moment when I met this person. I can't explain it. It's like the whole screen went white, you know, just you have these, like I had this very visceral, like, whoa moment. And, but she was with a partner for like a hundred million years and I was with a partner and we actually double dated for a while. And that was like fun, but I just wanted our partners to our partners got along better and we got along better and I just like was like can we just trade already and get this over with anyway over the next chunk of years we were like loose acquaintances just bumping into each other here there having the most random drink once in a while I had a huge flame the whole time but I kept it super on the down low because I wanted to be respectful to her relationship well eventually her and her partner break up and luckily, I didn't even find this out until they'd already been broken up for two years. So that was fucking awesome because then it gave me the opportunity to slide right in and I didn't have to feel like she was on the rebound or anything like that. But I didn't even have to really slide in. Like the world just fucking brought us together. I found out they were broken up two years after. And then the most random business thing brought us together. Uh, she did a little business service for me and my business. I offered to pay her. She said, hey, why don't you just buy me a drink? And boom, we're dating. So I'm fucking stoked. But also, you know, like, yeah, I held, a, I held a flame for, you know, she says she didn't know. Okay, that's fine. Did she hold a flame for me? I don't know. She's not the type to really admit that probably. But she is into this. Like, she is totally fucking into this. We're on the same page. And we are like, just 
having the most incredible love story. You know, it was the most profound, like, mental, emotional, sexual connection I've had with anybody maybe in my whole life. I've, I've had a couple significant loves. I know what that's like, but this one was really next level. You know, there's just something so extra about like having a crush, like, like, and I'm not the type to crush. I'm really not. But like in that whole 15 year span, if you had asked me like, you know, who's your crush, it would have always been this one person. Like it never changed. And like, was I at home dreaming about her every night? No, like years would go by and I would barely even think about her. But still, if somebody had said like, you know, if you could date anybody in the city and I would have thought about it for two minutes, I would have been like, oh, boom, her, like done. Like, yeah, let's do it. So, so it's just really exciting when you actually get a chance at that person and that person actually is digging you just as much as you're digging them. And we are fucking off to the races. I had just sold a business. I, we went on vacation literally around the world for five weeks. You know, we had the most amazing love story. And, you know, for the next two plus years, like, it was amazing. It was just simply amazing. I proposed at the two-year mark. I was super stoked. She said, yes, of course. You know, we're planning a wedding. We did plan a wedding. We paid for everything. She has a wedding dress. I have a tux. Like, she has a ring. I had a ring. Uh, we were wearing our rings before getting married because we were just excited. And, you know, you know, the wedding was supposed to happen about, uh, you know, three, four months shy of our third year anniversary together. And, you know, we were hitting a little, like the tiniest domestic bumps in the road between year two and three. But overall, like in my memory, it was like nothing major. But what did happen is that COVID came down and fucking locked down Toronto one month shy of our wedding. So we were one of those fucking couples where our wedding got canceled because of COVID. At first, we just thought it was going to go on hold. Maybe we'll get married in, you know, three months, six months, whatever. No big deal. It's okay. No stress. By the time, you know, six months comes down, we realize, okay, this COVID thing is fucked up. We don't know what the fuck is going on. We don't know if this is ever going to end. We don't know if everyone's going to fucking die. So we are like, everything's just in like permanent limbo. And that's when things start getting like really stressful in our relationship because, you know, we want to quarantine together. I have the bigger apartment, but it's not quite big enough for both of us to live comfortably. So she's kind of like living with me, but like, in a kind of an uncomfortable setup for both of us. Both of us were in careers where we weren't allowed to slow down. Like our, our careers got busier. Maybe they stayed the same for her. I know I got busier, but her career is already like insanely demanding as it is. So we're holed up in my place. We're working like crazy. We're super stressful about whether the world is ending and what the fuck is going on. Our wedding's on hold, that sucks. And oh yeah, and of course, and we lost like the, like we lost all the fun, right? Like, I mean, you know, we can have fun sitting on the couch and watching a reality show just like any other couple, but we really thrived on going out. We're both like introverted workaholics and that's okay, but going out together in our little bubble, like that was the time, in my opinion, that we really connected, that, you know, that we got to like let the stress of the world float away. We got to share an amazing meal, share some really nice cocktails, you do a little shopping, just be outside holding hands, you know, having a kiss here or there, like, you know, just, just being a couple and just focusing on feeling good and, you know, having days or evenings where like we don't really deny ourselves much, you know, where it's time to spoil ourselves, you know, as people and as a couple. And that stuff would really fuel us and, and it fed our relationship. And not to mention the fact that, you know, we both, while we worked a lot, we did have a fair amount of like schedule flexibility. So we were taking a lot of trips those first two or three years. And then COVID kiboshed all of that as well. So, you know, I'm not going to say the relationship was 1000% perfect for the entire three years. Like it wasn't, we're real people and we had things come up. But in my opinion, they were all things that were like, you know, very workable we were both very respectful people. There wasn't lying. There wasn't cheating. There wasn't anything toxic. We loved each other a lot. We tried our best to make each other happy and make ourselves happy and just, you know, build a life together in one of the most expensive cities in the world. And that's really hard to do while we both were embarking on new careers. And that's really hard to do. So 
you know, we'd have our bumps in the road and whatever, but overall things were good. You know, fast forward a year after COVID, things are struggling. You know, I think it's taking a real toll on our mental health. It's taking a toll on the relationship. And we hit a real like do or die kind of thing. Again, like it was just interpersonal stuff. It wasn't like any huge trespass on each other. And then I guess just to finish the timeline, like her father started to pass. He did pass. That was a very stressful scenario in the relationship and obviously for her personally. And I had also gotten to know her father figure, you know, quite well over the years. And, you know, I had my own mini version of a relationship with him too. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously it's nothing that compares to her relationship with him. I'm just saying, you know, it was, I came to learn that the death of a parent breaks up relationships it just does for a lot of people for, you know, whatever reason. Uh, so that was a big blow. So we were taking a lot of blows. Uh, you know, we were doing okay, but as the blows kept coming and we, and it was still COVID and it was still lockdown after lockdown after lockdown, you know, we weren't really getting the respite that we needed to rebound. And the relationship was just getting more and more strained. And as much as I was, trying to repair and work on it with her, you know, without getting into the reasons why that wasn't really working out. It just wasn't, it just wasn't working out. And uh, it was really tragic and upsetting. But let's bring this back to bottom surgery. So when we were still in that, we were probably right around a year together. My best friend at the time had metoidioplasty with Dr. Crane down in Austin. And he asked me to come and just, you know, help him with this or that because, you know, he, no one can do that stuff alone. So I was like, yeah, cool. Uh, so we went down to Austin together. He had surgery. We hold up in an Airbnb together. I looked after him and like the whole thing was easy breezy and he had a great experience and, you know, it was, it was fun for me. I got to go into his post-ops. Dr. Dr. Crane was really chill, just invited me on in. And I got to listen to their conversation. I got to even ask some of my own questions and engage with Dr. Crane a bit myself. And then, you know, I took care of my buddy when he was recovering. And the whole experience inspired me a bit to get scrotoplasty because I had had a release or what they call simple meta several years before. And I was ecstatic with my results, ecstatic, and I still am but I didn't get scrotoplasty or anything like that. So, you know, when my friend got scrotoplasty and I got to kind of see that, and then especially in the ensuing months where he like talked about what the scrotoplasty was doing for him, I remember talking to my partner about it at the time and saying, hey, you know, maybe I should get scrotoplasty. Like what was really appealing to me about it at the time was that, you know, it creates more of a package. It creates more of like, you know, masculine genitalia that like you and your partner can interact with, you know, I liked this idea that like, I'd have more of a package to like, you know, if I wanted to like, come up behind her while she's cooking, at, you know, at the stove or, you know, whatever she's doing, like, maybe she's brushing her teeth or whatever, just that whole idea of like, you know, coming up behind your partner, kind of pushing yourself into their ass. You know, I like the idea of them feeling something that's actually me. I was a daily packer uh, until the day I got phalloplasty. Even with, even after the simple meta, I always packed because I just needed more, more bulk there for me to feel like, okay, in my head and in my body. But, you know, the idea of that bulk being mine, of obviously, is exciting. I don't have to go on and on to explain why that's exciting. So, but the key point here is that when I talked to her about this, she immediately was excited by it too. And she immediately responded physically, verbally, uh, in like very exciting ways of like, oh yeah, that would be hot. I'd be super into that. You know, it wasn't so much to say like, oh my God, do it now. You know, like it's not, it wasn't heavy handed, but she was clearly like down. So I banked that knowledge for later just to say like to myself, okay, you know, I'm going to sit on this thought and on this feeling a little bit, you know, you, you never want to rush into surgery decision, right? So I was like, let me think about this. And, but it's good to know that my partner is down and she's excited in the same way that I am. So that if I come to the determination that I want to do this later, we're on the same page and that's awesome. So I banked it and... 
the more I learned about scrotoplasty in terms of a procedure, the more I learned there's some trade-offs that I may or may not want. But ultimately, over time, I started coming to the realization that I wanted phalloplasty. And, you know, I wanted phalloplasty, you know, the second I realized that transition was even an option. I was always like a very dick-focused trans kid where I was always like, in my mind, like, where's my fucking cock? Like, this doesn't make sense. You know, even in my like early 20s when I was like operating as like a fucking lesbian in my life, I was always like very cock-focused. I used to say like, I feel like I have a ghost penis. Like it's a ghost, like my cock is a ghosted limb. So the second I realized transition was a thing I could do, I was like, fucking sign me up and where, how do I get a cock? So I did all kinds of like phalloplasty surgery like way back when I started transitioning in like 2005, but I couldn't get it back then because it wasn't covered by insurance or by the Canadian government back then. So I had to sit and wait. So then it gets covered though eventually. And so I signed up immediately and I had some phalloplasty consults, but I wasn't quite ready to take the plunge but I was like, okay, I want Simple Meta for sure. So I had that in Montreal. I think I was single at the time when I had that. And it just profoundly changed my sex life. It didn't solve all the dysphoria, but it made such a huge difference in my sex life for the better. Like I highly, highly, highly recommend it to anybody. So because that surgery went so well in terms of the result, I didn't know. I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is all the bottom surgery I need like at the time, right? And then I had that experience with my friend and I thought, oh, scrotoplasty, sexy hot, maybe yes, no. My partner's like, yeah, totally, I'm down if you're down. Let me bank it, let me sit on it a little bit, see what happens. Well, what starts happening is I'm getting enormous waves of dysphoria, phalloplasty dysphoria to be specific though. And what I think was causing those waves was not so much the experience with my friend and the thoughts about scrotoplasty or anything. It was just that like, I was having this like next level sexual connection with this person who I honestly felt like was my person. You know, I think we all probably have several people or, you know, whatever, soulmates, blah, blah, whatever. But I was like, this is my person. I want to marry this person. I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. And on top of that, we're having a very profound sexual relationship. I wanted to connect with her so badly without anything fake in between us. No fucking rubber dildos, no fucking nothing. I just wanted it to be 100% me and 100% her fucking, you know, inside her, everything. And the fact that I couldn't have sex with her in that way started to bring up huge waves of dysphoria. I had had other ex-girlfriends that were really serious while I was trans, post-meta, but it wasn't bringing up this level of dysphoria. And I think it's because even though the relationship was kind of serious, it just, I just knew like this wasn't my person. It just wasn't on that next level, right? Because I was having that experience, I was getting these waves of, dys of bottom dysphoria that I hadn't had in like a long time. So I was like, oh, I was honestly taken aback. And these waves of dysphoria would just like hit me out of nowhere, it felt like. Like I'd just be like fine one day and then the next day I just would feel like in this like really depressive spiral of like, and I just knew it was totally about dysphoria. You know, in my experience and probably in some of yours, comment and tell me, but like, like dysphoria is a very specific feeling. So it's like when it's happening, like you know it, you know what that feeling is. And I'm sure it's different for all of us, but at the same time, it's still specific. So, so I'm getting hit with these waves of dysphoria. Again, like I try to sit on that feeling and I try to say, okay, like, is this gonna fade out? Or is like, is this, do I have to deal with this? Do I have to reckon with this? Meanwhile, my buddy who went and had Meta in Austin, he starts to come to the determination that Meta is not enough and that he needs fallow. So coincidentally, we both end up like on this trajectory at the same time, this go around, and we end up having phalloplasty together with uh, Dr. Chen in the Bunky Clinic. We ended up planning that and having that together, and that's a whole other video that I can maybe make later. So now I'm at like year four in the relationship. So I, so here's the here's the recap. Okay, I get I get with her about nine months into the relationship. I go to Austin, 
take care of my buddy, come back and say like, hey, scrotoplasty, yes, no, what do you think? She's like totally hot on board if you ever decide you wanna do it, cool. Fast forward to about year two is probably when I start getting the big like dysphoria waves in the relationship. And I just kind of deal with that until about year four. And it's about year four that I'm like, I'm gonna book phalloplasty. I go down that road and when I talk to her at that time, she's like clearly not excited. Uh, it's a whole different vibe that I was not expecting. And like, yeah, the relationship is more seasoned. We've had more bumps in the road and things like that. But I didn't expect for her to be as put off by the topic as I found her to be. She probably thinks she was being like neutral or just cautious or something like that. But in my experience, she wasn't. She wasn't unsupportive. She was never telling me not to do it or anything like that just because, but that's just in her nature, not to just to just not tell another adult what to do. But she was clearly not excited for this and she was clearly very afraid. Um, you know, she did straight up tell me, I really like your body the way it is. I don't want it to change. She clearly told me that she was afraid that she wasn't going to be attracted to the phalloplasty. And, you know, I think that's somewhat understandable. However, there's so many great examples of really amazing looking phalloplasty cocks out there. And I have gathered them all and so many of them have been posted on the mod club and all this sort of thing. And I would show her and say like, look, this looks fucking amazing. Like, you know, and this is somebody, you know, my partner was somebody who fucking really appreciated a dick, like in all its ways, right? Visually, physically, functionally, she likes a cock. You know, she could look at these and say like, yes, that's amazing looking, but somehow still just have so much fear. And I didn't really understand that, but I didn't want to press her about it because she's very sensitive to any kind of pressure. So I just kind of was like, okay. And I just kind of, you know, I knew that like I needed to have this surgery first and foremost for myself, even though it was our sexual connection that I think was like making the waves like come up and hit me in the face, if that makes sense. You know, I kind of hoped that like we'd still be together by the time I had surgery and that she would experience the surgery and experience the result and that it would be positive and that it would just organically, you know, you know, she would organically realize that this was a really positive thing, not only for me, but for our relationship and, you know, for our sexual relationship. You know, there were times when I could, when we would both take the time out to talk about, you know, the, the surgery and what it could bring in detail. And when we would take that time and I would like kind of baby step her through and say like, look, this is what I think it's gonna do for me. This is what I think it could do for our sexual relationship. And I could really break it down and slow it down for her. I would notice that like she would relax and then she would get excited, you know, but it would it, it took a lot to kind of like walk her through that, which, confused me, frankly, but whatever. Once I did that, like I said, she'd, she'd relax and she'd get excited. But I also noticed that she would very quickly rubber band back to that position of fear. You know, I have to try to like sit in her perspective too and think, well, if the tables were turned, you know, how would I, how would I feel about that, right? Like I loved her body the way it was. What if she told me she wanted to change something really significant? At the same time, I think that when partners are dating somebody who's trans or non-binary, they need to go into that relationship with some level of awareness that like their body might be up for changing in the future. You know, I mean, that's just part of our experience. You know, that stuff, we can make those decisions at any time, right? We can be totally content one week and totally not content the next week. So partners need to keep that in mind. And my ex had just gotten out of a 13-year relationship with a trans guy. So this was not a new rodeo for her. So again, you know, she was never going to tell me not to do it, but it was it was really hard for me to to go through the relationship thinking that like 
if I ever did decide I needed surgery, that she was gonna be like really on board to actually getting to that place and then her not being on board. That was really hard and I just basically dealt with that on my own as much as I could. I tried not to make that an issue in the relationship. I tried to just sit with it and own my feelings about it and just wait and watch and hope that it got better. You know, the approach I took to phalloplasty as well was that I did not bury and I did not have UL. I did not have a vaginectomy. I was also looking at this as like, hey, everything's just staying the same right now and I'm just adding a dick <laughs> on top. Funnily enough, like her first reaction was like, well, like her very, very, very first reaction when I told her like, I think I'm gonna get phalloplasty was like, and I told her like what the setup of my phalloplasty was gonna be, that like my release was going to be like totally available and under my phalloplasty, her response was like, but there's gonna be two dicks. How am I gonna know what to do? Like, I, 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 I don't know what to do. Like, how am I gonna know? And I thought that was really funny and endearing, but I think it was actually like, I think it was a little bit more serious on her end. And I didn't realize that at first, like a little more serious in terms of like fear and confusion, maybe fear about performing, fear about, you know, pleasing me. I don't know, like fear about maybe feeling like I'm like, maybe too weird of a setup for her to relate to. Um, I don't know. You know, she kept things as polite as she could. But overall, I knew. And that fourth year at the same time was the hardest year in our relationship. Her father was passing and did pass. And that experience for our relationship did not go that well. And, you know, despite both of us trying our hardest, you know, it was just... It was just horrible timing, you know, we had just been totally pummeled by, you know, at that point, you know, a year plus of COVID and just all kinds of things were just piling up on us that was making it really difficult. And then like, right when we were kind of at our first, I don't want to say breaking point, but kind of like we were kind of at a, at a real reckoning point in our relationship where I, I would say we were hitting our first, like, kind of like real serious, like, like wall as a couple, right? When her dad started to decline and that was really hard. And unfortunately that experience didn't bring us closer. It just pushed us. It just pushed us. And this also like her father starting to decline, I think came just maybe a couple of months after I committed to getting phalloplasty, like actually booked the surgery. So there was just a lot going on. So in that final year of our relationship, things were very, very strained, you know, staying together. And I was doing everything I could to, again, like push us through repair. I was doing everything I could to work on my own issues. I threw myself back into therapy and I was, you know, just the last thing I wanted was for the relationship to end. I could start to see the writing on the wall and I was terrified. I didn't want it to end. I wanted things to work out. I felt like it was workable and it was a priority. It was a very big priority for me that it work out. And so I wanted to do everything I could, you know, within reason. I wasn't like being like desperate or like, you know, psychotic about it or anything, but I was just trying to be the best, most productive partner that I could in terms of like, you know, what's the action that I can take to to flip this around? You know, what what am I in control of? I'm in control of myself. So I was trying to, you know, tend to myself the best that I could to make myself the best partner that I could be in the relationship during a really hard time. And Unfortunately, you know, obviously we're broken up now. So, you know, I can't say that it wasn't enough because it was never all up to me. It wasn't like I was the only problem and I couldn't fix myself. I mean, relationships are dynamic, right? So, you know, just the fact that I even had to put myself into therapy is a reflection of, of our dynamic not working as a couple. It's not about like me not working or her not working. It's about us not working. And, you know, it, if I was with a different partner at that time and her father started to pass and did pass, you know, I could have shown up in the exact same ways that I showed up during that or even before that. And she, a different partner, 
could have and would have most likely responded to me very differently. And that very differently could have been better or worse. But the point is it would have been different because everybody's different. So again, it's not about me like trying to take all the responsibility for the fact that things didn't work out. It's just like she's not going to take all the responsibility for that either. Regardless, it wasn't working. So surgery time comes up and things are very strained. I mean, you know, to be totally honest, I would have, I almost, I sort of ended it about three months before surgery. I mean, maybe that's not fair. What I told her was that my emotions were just completely checked out of the relationship. Like things had gotten to a breaking point for me about three months before surgery where I felt like I could no longer emotionally engage with her because I just, I just couldn't cross that bridge anymore. I felt like she was not showing up like the partner that I loved, that I trusted, that I believed her to be before. Like, I felt like she made a very big shift, a shift that was so big that, and, and, and within that shift, I was getting treated in a way that I found non-negotiable. I was being treated in a way that I felt was just unacceptable. Because of that, and because of the hard time that we had had for the, you know, six or so months before that, I just emotionally checked out. And I told her this, and she, I think in a weird way, she felt relieved. But interestingly enough, she didn't, but she kept coming around. She kept, she kept coming around as if everything was fine. I was like emotionally checked out, but I was neutral. Like I didn't, you know, there were things that had happened that I was really upset about, but I wasn't, I didn't hate her. I didn't, I wasn't like, I never want to see you again. I had just been through a lot of pain due to the way I felt I was being treated from her. Yeah, I mean, that's all. I, I had been through a lot of pain. At the same time, I didn't hate her. So if she wanted to come around and go for a walk or, you know, do whatever and hang out a little bit, like I was like, sure, but I wasn't inviting her over. I wasn't, I wasn't really taking any initiative as a couple at that point. I was kind of just like hanging out and just kind of seeing, you know, I wasn't in a rush. I didn't have an agenda. I wasn't like, well, I need to start dating right away. So like, I got to get you out the door. Like, you know, I was like, this is the way I feel. I've communicated it. This is how you're reacting, you know, which was a pretty peaceful reaction. So I was like, I'm not in a rush to get to a certain point. So I was okay to just kind of like sit and watch, sit and wait. At a point in that whole like waiting and watching period, she said to me, let's not make a, a final decision about our relationship until surgery is over. And I thought, okay, that actually seemed kind of encouraging to me that to me that conveyed that like she wanted to be there for me through surgery. Um, maybe she also like, despite the kind of like fear and confusion she had about how the surgery was going to go, that it conveyed to me that maybe she was, you know, optimistically curious that maybe it would, you know, bring us closer in some way. Like maybe, maybe because I would feel better just in my body. Maybe it would, you know, re-spice up the sex life. Like, I don't know, you know, I probably should have qualified it, but, but, you know, sometimes when you're already strained, it's like, you know, you really want to pick your battles on what you choose to qualify and, and really sink your teeth into, right? In terms of dissecting topics. I just felt like, hey, I'm not in a rush to break up. I'm not in a rush to like push us back together. So like, okay, yeah, sure. We can wait till after surgery. So surgery comes and goes. And while I'm away recovering in San Francisco, things, the surgery goes well but other things are not going well. Weird things like my grandmother dies five months, five days into surgery and my mom has to hightail it home. My mom came out to San Francisco to help me and my friend recover. I hadn't seen her in two years because of COVID, blah, blah. We have a very tumultuous history. So the fact that she was like so eager and willing to come out and help us and support in this way meant a lot. You know, it was really tragic that my grandmother passed when she did and then my mom had to leave. And then, you know, I wasn't like close, close with my grandmother, but 
but she was a very prominent person in my life growing up and you know you know there was some grieving there for me to be had so I'm laid up, I'm grieving, I'm left alone with my friend way too soon. He is not helping a fucking damn bit in the Airbnb. So I'm kind of feeling like I'm fucking doing everything. And me and him kind of get into it, which is unusual. We don't usually have issues. So that was a whole other like weird stress. And then my ex, like, you know, I'm, I'm leaning more into the relationship emotionally because I feel like I just need some emotional support and I'm basically at a loss for who to go to. Like, you know, you know I've got other friends and things like that, but you know, some, you want it from somebody who's really close to you during something like surgery. So I'm leaning in, she's going along with it, you know, which I appreciated. And, but somehow we end up in a fight and you know she goes cold which was a pattern where you know we'd get in some kind of fight and i would feel like emotionally abandoned basically like she would just check out and kind of leave me holding the bag is how i felt and the more that feeling piled up in the relationship the more reactive i could sometimes get about it whereas like it was just harder to like hold that bag that bag was just getting heavier and heavier and heavier and it's like every time she checked out on me it just felt like i just i can't hold this fucking bag anymore like and especially during a time like surgery where like i'm i feel physically and emotionally like so broken and then it's like you're fucking leaving me holding the bag again and like what do i mean by holding the bag i mean like you know i mean this was a pattern where like if I didn't respond to something the right way or say something, you know, explain my feelings or something the right way to whatever, you know, was the right way for her, you know, she would just want distance. It would just, I would feel it go into like immediate cutoff. So like we could be fairly warm, you know, we could have this kind of disruption, but I felt like there was no grace. Like I felt like once she got triggered or upset to a certain level, like she was then became unable to like cross that bridge and see things from my perspective in a way that could allow for grace that could allow for like hey you know what yeah this guy's really annoying me right now or pissing me off or i don't want to take the time out to process his feelings with him or something like that but jesus christ like the guy's chopped up and laying in bed in a shitty airbnb in san francisco and his friend won't talk to him and his mom left and like maybe i'm gonna like put my shit aside right now and i'm gonna stay warm and i'm gonna stay available even though he's annoying me like that's kind of what i mean by grace so when i didn't even get that grace during surgery i was pretty upset but even in my upsetness i'm aware of like tiptoe tiptoe or she's gonna she's gonna abandon you again she's gonna leave you holding the bag she's gonna disappear and she's not gonna want to talk to you so that was a really bad feeling and i was pretty upset because of course she did just you know basically abandon me again when it came time to come home you know i basically just left her alone when it came time to come home i remember telling her when you pick me up from the airport will you please hug me because I could tell that she was so emotionally checked out towards me, thus leaving me holding the bag, whatever, that I felt like I couldn't even trust her to give me a hug when she picked me up from the airport. You know, that's those are pretty sad days. You know, it's pretty fucking sad when you've just had major surgery. And like, I know I just explained that we were in kind of a weird gray zone. I was checked out. Like, you know, things were weird and things were strained. But, you know, at the end of the day, like we've been together almost five years at this point. You know, and we've been, you know, we were a month away from getting married. It didn't happen. We've been together almost five years. And, you know, I tried to give her grace too for the fact that like, you know, at this point her dad had passed nine months before, you know, there's, there's a lot of dynamic, right? But I don't lose sight of her context, but I still feel like it's a sad day when you have to ask your partner, can you please remember to hug me? Because you have been and are treating me so cold I don't even think it's going to cross your mind to hug me. Or maybe you're not even going to feel the desire or even think of it. So, so like I said, things are pretty bad. You know, she says, uh, you know, yes. And, you know, 
I, I assume she says yes. I don't know. She picks me up curbside. You know, I'm still limping. I don't even know if she even really offered the hug, but I was like, you're hugging me. And I hugged her, but it was, you know, it was like a shitty, cold, rushed hug. There was no warmth. There was no like, oh my God, I'm so glad to see you. Or I missed you. Or are you okay? And like, it wasn't cold, cold, cold either. It was just very perfunctory. It was very just like, hi, okay, let's put your bag in the trunk. Let's go. So we go back to my place. She had gotten a puppy recently, so I can't be around a jumpy puppy while I'm like, you know, healing in, the, in these kinds of ways, obviously. So she takes the puppy and bounces and that's fine. But I was kind of expecting, you know, and yes, we're talking about me having expectations, but like I was expecting her to say like, okay, let me take the dog home to my place and then I'll come back and like, you know, we can spend some time together. Like I can check on you or whatever. No, nothing. I start looking around and I'm like, there's not a fucking lick of food in my apartment. Like she she stayed at my apartment while I was having surgery so she had just lived there for six weeks she probably I don't know what she was doing for food she was probably getting uber eats a lot regardless it's like your partner's coming home he can't walk yet like I was literally in a wheelchair in the airport like you know eight hours earlier you know I can walk but I'm like I'm hobbling like stairs are hard I'm not even close to walking normally and it's like, you don't think to like stock up on some food. Also the cat supplies, like the pet supplies were completely gone. The cat needed food and litter and everything. So I'm like, you know, you don't want to call your person when you're like, okay, um, clearly you don't want to be available for these kinds of activities. Clearly, right? Clearly you are not thinking of me as a priority. So I don't want to bother you and try to make myself a priority in your life right now. For whatever reason, I must not have, you know, the, there's, you know, a lot of people don't drive in Toronto. So I went out, I got my own groceries, I got my own pet supplies. I should not have been doing that. It was very painful to go around the stores and carry them up my stairs and all that kinds of stuff. I did it anyway because I was just, I just fucking needed the shit. And I waited to see like when was she going to care when was she going to try to initiate some level of care it never came I remember taking one walk with her maybe two I am like 98% sure I initiated any interaction we had within that time frame and therefore after a week I was like I need to see you and I need to see you now and I don't think she saw it coming I mean it's not like it's not like breaking up was unheard of obviously we'd been sort of processing the fact that it was a very real possibility but I just didn't have the sense that like when she came over she was expecting us to break up I think she was expecting I don't know what she was expecting it just seemed like she was taken aback she seemed dressed to go out but yeah that I just remember sitting in my apartment for an entire week just wondering like is my partner going to show any sign of giving a fuck about me and she didn't and I was just like I can't I can't do this anymore so I called her over and ended it and I'll probably make another video about some of the things that I've learned through this process I've definitely had some big insights in looking back over the relationship and insights since we broke up I mean we've been broken up now I don't know six months or something and that's been kind of its own journey but this has been a very strange conclusion one that I didn't expect um, it's been really sad to reckon with you know just feeling so on top of the world and so certain that somebody is your person to things devolving to a point where like somebody just completely completely disregards you during surgery recovery you know I mean I mean, she didn't even have to be there for the like worst of it, right? And I didn't want her there really. I was just worried it would do too much damage to the relationship. And I was hoping that like, I wanted to keep my new cock like in a sexy, you know, if I was hoping we would rebound and I was, I didn't want her to see my dick while it was all, you know, potentially gory. Uh, you know, I wanted to recover. I wanted to be able to sort of, unveil that to her and hopefully a way that would help it remain sexy and hot so that was part of why she wasn't there but i even if i had wanted her there i don't think she would have 
made herself available for that. But it's kind of besides the point. You know, I want to say that I was proud of myself for ending it because as trans guys, it's, you know, and probably trans people in general, non-binary, like it's, the world is extra intimidating when it comes to dating and relationships. There's just no getting around that. I know for myself that once I transitioned and I had my first breakup, I realized like, I don't know, I just got hit with this depth of like, oh wow, like dating is going to go from being like so simple to potentially being really hard. You know, I've had a mix of experiences with that, which I can talk about in other videos, but I think those experiences of knowing, you know, how difficult it can be to find a good partner when you're trans, it probably makes a lot of people stay in bad relationships a lot longer than they should. You know, I, I'm proud of myself that I cut it off. As hard as it was, as much as it was like the last fucking thing I wanted to do, conceptually and like I don't know whatever in reality but it was like I just could not I cannot tolerate a partner who's going to treat me so poorly I just I can't stick around for that I just can't again even though it you know I've been in relationships that were far more toxic this relationship was not toxic there were problems and I've kind of gained deeper insight into what I think like her issues might have been but it wasn't toxic there was no you know there was no emotional abuse no mental abuse like there was nothing you know there's no name calling there was none of that kinds of stuff it was a very mature relationship but at the end of the day it for one you know I think a partner if they just don't want to be available for aftercare they need to just say that you know I think it's kind of you know, maybe even codependent, not to not to just feel forthright to just say like, listen, I love you and I want this to work and all these kinds of things, but like, I'm just not an aftercare person. Like I, just for whatever reason, I'm just not. And I, but I really, it's really important to me that you get the care that you need. So let's talk about like, you know, how we could line up support for you or something like that. And let's talk about, you know, why I'm not that person and how does that land for you? And like, let's try to figure that out together. You know what I mean? But instead it was like, you know, she never said anything like that. It was just kind of like left up to like a natural assumption, in my opinion, that like your partner's gonna at least make a fucking effort, like at least some kind of fucking effort to give a fuck about you when you get home from fucking phalloplasty. And so when that doesn't happen, I'm sorry, but like they're out. So if any of you guys are in a situation where, you know, you're feeling similarly, you know, talk to me, write us an email, write us at questions.modlove at gmail.com. Um, you know, we can come on the show or leave a comment, leave your question in the comments, whatever, you know, leave a message on Spotify, Anchor, whatever, um, you know, just get at me, like, let's make this a conversation. Tell me if listening to my story has been helpful you know, love the feedback, love the comments. I respond to almost every comment. So, so hit me up and let me know if you want more of this content, right? The more of these personal updates, I can talk about other past relationships. I can talk about what I learned from this one in other ways. Um, I want to keep it useful. Like I said, not looking for like, not looking for comments that are going to degrade her in any kind of way or pass judgment on her. I'm trying to talk about things in my own experience. I'm free to do that. So, um, let's keep it respectful, but, but hit me up and I hope you like this and, uh, we'll see you in the next one real soon.